0: The world is facing an ecological crisis and mass extinction. Committed to responsible business, Hogan Lovells is supporting one of the most fascinating and successful initiatives to create a sustainable future. I'm Mareike van Oosting and you're listening to the rewilding Hogan Lovells podcast. We continue our exploration of rewilding actions in the east of Finland, where a stunning nature recovery is taking place. An abandoned peat extraction site is being transformed into a healthy ecosystem of wild nature, welcoming back huge numbers of migrating birds and rich fish stocks. We are accompanied by Antoine Cherer, a young ecologist and PhD student who came all the way from northern France to work on the rewilding site. He seems to be in love with the magical landscape trudging through morasses and marshes in big rubber boots alongside Kaisu Mistonen. She's the head of Biodiversity Action and one of the original founders of the Snow Change Cooperative, managing the rewilding site.
1: I want you to see how this place looks like when nothing's been done here.
0: It's quite colorful, actually.
2: The ground is covered with a lot of different mosses.
1: You get very many different yellows and greens. And the, the more you look at it, the more colourful it becomes.
2: You can feel the topography, there is a lot of bumps because some areas are drier, some areas are more wet. You can feel it when you're walking in the area because in some places it's really making this splashing sound. It's an interesting area, even though it's not like a pristine natural area, you can feel that there is potential.
1: It's a calm place and it has this timeless quality. It's like the finished bedrock that's really old and really solid. And that's how I feel about these peatlands too, that these are really old and these are very solid. Some of the marsh can be more than 10,000 years old, and some of those mosses can be thousands of years old. I find it super exciting. And then, when you think, what's the time frame where we've been able to destroy those areas? And 100 years, and that one moss may have been growing there for thousands of years. That's pretty sad.
0: We leave the colourful Marshmire to reach Linnensuo, the site sponsored by Hogan Lovells. Antoine explains the many steps necessary to transform the area from an abandoned peat extraction site with hardly any life left on it into a diverse and healthy habitat.
2: It's quite a big area. It's about 180 hectares. It's our flagship area. It became very quickly a very important bird area, and there is all kinds of wildlife which are thriving at the moment now. It's evolving very quickly. You have to imagine that some years ago, it was basically what we are working on at the moment, this bear pit, it was all over the place. It was like a desert. The idea was to put everything under water so that we recreate anoxic conditions, keep this bear pit away from the open air and oxygen so that it stops producing impactful compounds. The goal was to just stop the emissions of gas and the emission of polluting compounds from the bear pit that was left by the company. That's why these pools were created. Now there is a machine working behind us at
0: the moment, which is building new walls to put more areas underwater. The work is accompanied by state-of-the-art research and involves high-tech scientific equipment. Antoine carries around a huge measurement tool to gather the data that will help researchers to understand how rewilding works and what positive effects it might have on carbon concentration.
2: So, yeah, I'm going to start the process so you can see. I put the bell on the sampling point, And then I check on the app on my phone that is connected to the Wi-Fi of this machine. And um, I can check the graph of the different gases that are emitted. And we need to have like an, a global overview of what is stored and what is emitted here. When it's, for example, it's summer and it's been raining and it's a little bit wet and hot, it can create a lot of methane. We are going to do a full year of analysis and then we will start to have answers. If we can prove that these areas are actually storing carbon and they are not big sources of uh, greenhouse gases, uh, then it's huge because it's another proof that This kind of active restoration is needed in the current context of climate change. Restoring peatlands is maybe one of the most crucial things we can do at the moment if we want to make sure that on the long term we are creating ecosystems that not only store carbons, but also bring uh, shelter-rich biodiversity. So that's where it's linked, because you can actually do both at the same time. You can act against climate change to store carbon, and you can, at the same time, create habitats suitable for many, many species. You can't restore ecosystems and store carbon if it means that you are cutting humans from nature. Here, the hunting is still a very important aspect of everyday lives for some people. The environment is the physical medium of the link between nature and the people here. So that's why it's important to restore the peatlands, the forests, the rivers. Because without that, then all of this traditional knowledge, all of this culture is just going to disappear within a generation, that's for sure.
0: Traditional knowledge. The wisdom of local people who have lived in harmony with nature for hundreds of years. Discovering what that means is the last leg of our rewilding journey.
3: Today, in 2020, um, we have come to realize that most of the preserved biodiversity on the planet is located in the homelands of indigenous and traditional communities. What this really narrates is the role of these communities and cultures, our cultures, possessing our own inherent relations and ways of coexisting with ecosystems. This is very non-romantic and very brutally honest grounded view that can happen if you still have what's known as traditional knowledge.
1: If you're willing to learn from local knowledge, I think then also a person should be willing to spend time and the nature they have. When you understand the, your own environment, what's around you, I think you have more tools to understand the local knowledge that the person has.
3: The tricky part of how you play the game, so to speak, is that you have to ensure that in this global moment in humanity's history, we are trying to preserve the traditional mind or whatever is left of it. Because inside that traditional knowledge, there are the deepest ethics and morals and wisdoms of our place and what this place actually really is it's a very layered journey even though i call it often traditional knowledge it is really about today it's not a museum piece or it's not in vacuum or in some archives it's about today today we saw a new insect today we saw a new bird how do we form relations with that what was it Have we seen that before? And then we get to the deeper spheres of existence here. What does that bird, for example, mean? What's the message it's bringing forward?
0: We are at a turning point of human history, reversing the trend of ecological crisis and mass extinction. Preserving and valuing our deep connection with nature is the key to a more sustainable future.
4: Yeah, no.